Oh, somebody else. Let's see. So, welcome everyone. I am. I am. Okay, welcome everyone. This is Let's Talk About Men and Mental Health. My name is Edna White, and I am your host for today. And I want to thank everyone for being here. I'm going to announce our panelists for today. And um, I hope I don't get anyone's name wrong, which I'm famous for, but they can correct me. They love me a lot and I love them a lot. So, <laughs> so today, um, one of our speakers is Justin Williams. He's executive director of Tang Tangle Life and author of a very good book called The Eye of the Father. Then we have Michael Overly, who is the canine partnered men's coach. And last but not least, Kyle Sp Spyrides, right? Yeah. Author of Decide Your Destiny. So we're going to be talking about something that's um, really near and dear to my heart um, because, as I said in my video, I have young Black men who have gone through the justice system and it has kind of like uh, affected them, you know, mentally. And mental health for men is usually... You know, all of us have it sometimes and um, deal with it, but men seem to be affected more than women because they keep it kind of held down. Um, men and women, men with mental illness are also likely to receive, not receive mental health more so than women. So we're going to talk about um, things today. Um, we're going to have a discussion and then we're going to have a Q&A session for the panelists to answer questions you have. But what I have today is questions that were, that I'm gonna ask them to get the conversation started. So um, if everyone would mute themselves and only the panelists, unmute yourself. So, okay. So I guess we're ready to go. So um, I'm gonna give this question to um, Jess. If, 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 do you mind me calling you Jess? Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give this question to Jess. Um, how does intergenerational trauma affect a man's mental health? Wow. Um, that, that's huge. That's a great question, Edna. Um, inter, intergenerational trauma is something that um, a lot of people deal with, not only men, but obviously we're talking about men today. Um, if you look at um, the trauma suffered um, historically in, in various cultures, for example, um, Ireland, uh, just right off the top of my head, uh, mm -hmm. they had a lot of conflict in their country for many years. Uh, one huge one uh, starting in the 70s and, you know, kind of ended in the late 90s. And they actually have a, a lot of things going on over there to this day. Um, you know, these things with these traumatic events uh, really affect the parents. And then these um, uh, these things are then passed on to the children. Um, it, you know, research and scientists and, and doctors, they're, they're even wanting to say it's even epigenetics as well. 
And, um, you know, if you look at the black culture, um, what what blacks went through in slavery, you know, um, you know, the intergenerational trauma is something that um, has stuck with that that with my culture as well and, and, and others as well. And it's, it's very unfortunate because with, with men, uh, a lot of times we don't <clears throat> we don't want to admit or, or even know that we have any type right. of issues to deal with. Right. Um, society. Um, historically has put um, these parameters around us to to uh, not express ourselves, right? And I, I personally have personal experience with that myself. Um, I was raised in a home. Uh, my father, he um, had a lot of trauma that he did not heal from, and he passed that along to, to, to myself. He was a Marine. He was also an alcoholic. Um, I come from a home where uh, his mantra was, a child is to be seen and not heard, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, uh -huh. um, and, and this caused me not to be able or even learn how to express myself. This also caused me to uh, not learn how to critically think because he was very controlling. And, you know, that caused issues for me in all aspects of my life as a child and as well into adulthood. And, you know, um, I, I thank God that, you know, in, in, in adulthood, I was able to receive healing and move forward past uh, the type of issues in intergenerational trauma that I that I had to deal with. You know, I, I became what I like to call a chain breaker to where, you know, I didn't pass those behaviors and, and that trauma along to to my children. And it's it's been very healthy. And a lot of it is is fear based, right? Um that's that's where it comes from. And I, I think it's very important for men to have a vulnerable vulnerable uh, to be vulnerable, this strength and vulnerability vulnerability and have a safe uh, safe place where they can talk and, and connect with others and uh, get the, the necessary healing that, that they need to, to move forward and be healthy. Okay, that sounds good. Now, remember audience, you can write your questions down um, to whatever they're saying, but um, right now we're just gonna hear from the panelists. Kyle, how do you feel about that, um, that question? Or would you like me to repeat it? I think maybe, yeah, for the audience to repeat it again, that'd be okay. good just to get it and myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so how does the intergenerational trauma affect a man's mental health? Yeah, I think it's huge. And um, and Jess, I really appreciate um, what you shared. And I, th I think you, you, know, you talked more about cultural, you know, I guess probably for me, it would definitely be um, maybe familial uh, and, going oh, back good. and realizing, you know, how much our family uh, impacts and us. And my grandfather, um, my step-grandfather, who I'm not related to, I, I would fly back to uh, Sydney. And as he got sick, because my grandparents raised me, um, I would go and interview him. And he, he said two profound things. And one of the profound things that he said, uh, I said, you know, what do you remember about your grandparents? Because I was looking up these questions. What do I ask my you know, grandparents as I'm, as I'm recording this story? Um, and he said, they never leave you. And I went, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, they're in your mannerisms. They're in your thoughts. They're in the ways that you, that, that you are. And he had a smile on his face because he obviously felt very fondly about his, his parents. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you think about that on the other side of it, um, you know, I know, and I've had traumatic, um, you know, experiences with just direct parents and then, you go back even further and you realize the trauma that was 
in their lives from their parents and their grandparents. And it's just a knock-on effect. And this one was an alcoholic, which turned this one into this, which turned it. And you can just go back and it's like, you know, I think Steve Jobs said, you can connect the dots looking back. You know, you can look back and see where things went wrong. And, you know, as Jess said, I think men are good at just holding it down and compressing it. And for me, I compressed it. I held it down. And for me, the realization that I came to is that it actually manifested itself as a dis-ease um, by the time I was 18 okay. and I had to confront that and face that. And it just, and you know, it's, it's so important to be able to, like I said, be vulnerable, be able to communicate, be able to share um, what has happened because it's going to continue to affect you. And you don't want to inflict that onto society. You don't want to inflict that onto your right. kids. And I think that's really maybe where the wake up call comes for a lot of like people, maybe men that become fathers, you know, they get that shock mm-hmm. and go and they, they, you know, they, you might have said something that your parents said and you go, wait a minute, whoa, I want to I want to break the chain, as you said, which is beautiful. So mm-hmm. really acknowledging um, the, 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 the inflict, infliction that, that family have had on us and becoming more and more aware of that. And, and I think you have to be humble to realize how much of an impact that they have within how we, how we, how we function, how we think, right. how we look at the world, how we operate and go, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm someone like a, a child, you know, a child picks things up. He, a child remembers things, a child, you know, like, you're like, how the hell did this kid, you know, you know, learn that or hear that. And they just, yeah. they're like a sponge. And mm-hmm. so are we. So we've picked a lot of stuff up. And unfortunately a lot of that is baggage that, you know, in Australia, we, um, we had these big bushfires in 2020 and um, a lot of people were criticizing why weren't we burning back? And the the local culture here, the Aboriginal culture would na- naturally burn back because it's such a flammable, um, you know, floral and fauna. And so they would, they would, they would burn areas off to make sure that it doesn't just, you know, like grow and grow as like flammable wood and fire. So mm-hmm. I think it's the same philosophy we have to take for ourselves is how can we, how can we get rid of some of the trauma that 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 may still be subconsciously ruling mm-hmm. our lives. Right. Okay. Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, that's tough to follow after you guys. My goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. This this is huge. Um, so I I had a a clearing. Right. Uh, um, something happened this weekend, and I. I was uh, privy to some information about uh, my own family and um, a lot of the pieces fell into place. Why, why my dad and I never got along and mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, the acquisition of the information isn't important, but understanding how hurt he was by his father um, and the abuse suffered at the hand of, of that man. And what happened to my dad and his two brothers, um, you know, why wouldn't it get passed down? Right. So, um, like, like Justin said, um, chain breaker, right. I've stopped it on, on my family's side and I've done, um, I've done the hard stuff and I I found out the stuff that most people don't want to hear. And that actually helped me get to a place where I could actually forgive, um, both my dad and his dad for, um, for what they had done to other people in their own families. So, uh, it's, it's, um, it's powerful, right? I mean, most of us are shut down as kids. Um, yeah. You know, we're supposed to be, you know, seen and not heard. And we're supposed to do what we're told. Men are supposed to man up all the time. You know, be quiet. Don't let them show, you know, don't let them see you hurt. Don't let them see you cry. I mean, all this crap that just shuts us down. 
and mm-hmm. that does nothing productive for anybody. So um, that makes it hard for us to ask for help later, right? Sure. We, and we sure. don't even know that we can ask for help. We, right. don't know that, we don't know that we should or that we can be willing or that we can open to anything, right. which we right. can't show any, any weakness. The vulnerability piece is huge, so huge. It's not a weakness. It's actually a strength. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wrote about it in my books and um, it's, yeah, it's massive. You have to yeah. have it. And how do you, and Jess, how would you start to, to kind of, I guess, involve uh, vulnerability into this? Since we're talking about vulnerability, how do you begin to even process that? Well, um, I, I think, uh, I believe it was Kyle. I, I think he uh, hit the nail on the head when he said um, awareness, right? You had, one definitely has to be aware that they they have some issues, some some intergenerational trauma that they must work through, um, and and once that awareness comes about, you know, then the next question is, well, what do I do about it? You know, um, there there are several several tools that we have. Uh, obviously, there's therapy. Um, you know, you know, a lot of people are on meds as well, which I'm not a fan of. Now, I to deal with my my trauma, I can tell you what I did that that worked great for me. Um, I started practicing spirituality, which started with meditation. And then I, from there, I then learned how to deal with fear because I'm very confident that a lot of it or the majority of it is definitely fear-based. So I, I learned in my journey, I learned that fear is a bully, right? And fear wants mm-hmm. to bully, bully each and every one of us. And fear actually fears as, as well. It fears not being able to make you fear any longer. And then once I learned that, that was like my aha moment, right? And the light bulb went off. And I said to myself, I'm not going to let anybody or anything bully me because I, I went through a lot of that as a child from my father, right? So then I was in a space of, of healing, right? And then I, mm-hmm. I learned how to deal with fear. You know, I learned how to control fear and not let fear control me. One thing I did, which, you know, I'm not saying people need to do, but I went skydiving. That helped me tremendously learn how to deal with fear, you know, and th- that gave me a, a new sound, a newfound sense of freedom and liberation. And from there, I continued the meditations. And then from there, my wife and I went to counseling, you know, and then uh, the, the, the therapist was able to pull these different things out of me and make me realize different things about myself and why I was dealing with what I, what I was dealing with. And like Michael said, you know, my father, even though he, uh, inflicted this a lot of physical abuse upon me because he was this husky marine guy and a lot of psychological abuse, was, which was actually worse than the physical abuse. But he had issues with his father as well. They fell out like in the 70s and they didn't speak for about 30, 35 years, just a couple years before uh, my father uh, passed on. And then I learned that my grandfather and his father had issues. So it's oh, this yeah. pattern that intergenerational trauma, right? Yeah. And I knew, and I became a father at a very young age. When my first son, my oldest son was born, when I was 19. And when, when he was born, you know, I, I always told myself that I was never going to inflict upon him what was inflicted upon me by my father. And, and that wasn't easy, right? There was a lot, because I had that, pro, that program. We we're all a program from the day we come into this world by our parents. They're our very first people who program us. And, you know, you get to learn these specific things and you move forward through life. And then you, 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 you then deal with these issues that come along. 
And I, I just, I'm very thankful that I was able to work through that and get to a place of peace. And now I'm able to have my peace and, and, and my liberation in my life. So I definitely recommend that, that men, you know, they, they first need to, you know, um, have awareness and a vulnerability, vulnerability is huge. That was so huge for me. You know, just, you know, saying it's okay to cry. It's okay to reach out for help. It's okay to talk to my wife about my, my, my deepest feelings and things that I, I feel with. We carry that and we need to mm -hmm. release it. And being able to release it was, was definitely part of my healing process. And ever since I did that, I mean, my life has been changed uh, for the positive. And it's, it's such a, and I, I always talk about freedom. I always talk about liberation. It's, it's an amazing feeling. And uh, mm -hmm. this is what I, I teach people to do with, with my organization as well. It is. It's very liberating. Mike, uh, Michael, what does it mean to be a man in the modern world? I don't know. <laughs> it's a confusing space, right? Um, God, we, we still have so many of these um, you know, patriarchal hierarchies of how things mm -hmm. go in, you know, in business, um, in, in the church, um, all around us. Uh, this, this is the way it's done. And it's really quite fascinating that once you have this awareness and that awareness grows, right, Justin, you can speak to this, you see how these structures just, they don't work. Right. They don't work. They're actually more limiting than they are enlightening. Exactly. Um, so this, it's, an, it's a very, very actually wonderful time because more and more people are waking up a little bit and realizing mm -hmm. that I can do my life different. I can be different. I don't have to be this, this hard, rigid thing because it, it's, it's dichotomous, right? We're expected right. to be maybe the breadwinner or the caregiver or whatever it is in, in, in this way, bringing the money home and doing these things. But then our, our partners may want us to you know, talk about our feelings. We don't know how. We honestly yeah. don't know how, right? We were actually taught not to do that. So that's an expectation that we can't meet. And, it, and then people get frustrated on both sides, right? right? It's fascinating. But more and more people are, are, are waking up and realizing that, hey, it's okay to not be okay. I don't, oh, have, yeah. to, I don't have to have this damn tough guy mask on all the freaking time, right? Yeah. That's got my ass handed to me plenty of times. Um, Kyle, what do you think that some of the symptoms are that we can share with the audience, you know, of, you know, uh, mental, you know, men's mental health, how do they handle it or, or show it, should I say? Yeah, for sure. I, I'd say, you know, just like Michael and Justin have touched on, we really compress and we push things down and we try and have that tough guy face and we try and, you know, put it on, um, I, I'm very lucky to have to have a partner who who just I don't know has this almost sixth sense that can kind of know when something's wrong or something's not quite right or I'm holding something down. Yeah. So if you can get a great circle around you of people that know you, um, mm -hmm. you know, like we like it's really important to know ourselves. But sometimes right. just to have people that know you, and sometimes they know you, maybe not a little bit better, but they know you a little bit. You know, they can see you know they've got distance from your inside mm -hmm. you know main camera of your life and main director they can see the outside and what's showing and so those symptoms show on the outside um you know they show on you kind of um tensing up you know i think a man tenses up for me i just when i think about it i held a lot of pain trauma you know emotional and, and like just you know spoke about 
it's the psychological trauma that sticks and I held it in my chest and you know that 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 that, that manifested so it's it's realizing that you know men a, a female in generally speaking is going to share and communicate and oftentimes what I've learned is that you have to be able to be almost like a surgeon and understand what she's saying because she might be yeah. saying this but what she right. really means is over here right so there's there's lots of information coming at you and you got to kind of decipher wait what where you know what, what what is the piece that I need to take and actually realize this is what she's talking about this is what she needs where mm -hmm. a man's like not giving you anything he's like not giving yeah. you any lip service it's just all tied down you know and so it's the the exact opposite so that's where you're you're noticing things behavioral you know so are they still going to the to the to the to the rugby on the weekend? Are they still showing up for this? Thing? Like as soon as a man starts to pull back from social interaction, as soon as you start mm -hmm. to pull back from you know community activities, or going to church, doing this or whatever it is, that's when they they're starting to show symptoms. You know because it takes a lot. We don't realize how much it takes to be social, and if you're not doing well up top, it's right. extremely hard to be social. You know, you like try and go, you know, you have a fight, you you, you have a breakup, you have a, a big problem in your business, and then you ought to go and face the world with a big smile, you know, and mm -hmm. I don't think men can quite do that as, as, as easily. So they're the symptoms that I'd say to look out for. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, uh, Mike, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, the withdrawal is a big piece. Um, mm -hmm. If there's a quickening in temper or maybe um, they get angrier than is maybe called for in a situation, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's this, this energy that, that has to be released and we, we don't know how to release it in a healthy way. Um, so oftentimes there will be explosions over the smallest thing. So, I mean, just look at road rage. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Jess? Well, I, I definitely agree with both Michael and Kyle. I, I would like just to add that um, I think it's very important for men to be aware of who's in their circle as well, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, you have to ask yourself, the people that I associate with, are these negative or these positive people? When you speak with them on the phone, when you come when to them with the problem, are they, you know, um, addressing your problem with negativity? You know, right. well, you should do this, you should do that, you know? Um, and, and if that's the case, those are people you shouldn't you shouldn't communicate with, you shouldn't associate with, especially when you're going through your healing phase. And then we also know that narcissism is narcissism is real as well, right? If you have people yeah. that are narcissists and they show that type of behavior, those are the type of people that you have to eliminate from your life. When you're going through that healing process, you're having mental issues, you definitely have to make sure your circle is positive and people that are in your corner. And a lot of times, and it's unfortunate to, unfortunate to a certain extent, those are going to be very, very few very, very few people. You know, a lot of times we see people that um, you, you you think are in your corner and want the best for you, but, you know, they, they're dealing with issues there themselves. And the old adage goes, misery loves comp company, right? So you have to be very careful to, to protect your energy. Yeah. Okay. So why do you think that um, men let fear kind of, you know, um, Decide, help them decide or make the decision making. How do you? Why do you think they do that? Why do you think they do that? You know, well, let that you kind of take over. Well, um, you know, I think they let it take over because you know the way that men are raised and, and programmed for the most part is to to be strong, right, and to mm -hmm. deal with fear. 
and you, you know, you have to do it. You have to man up. You know, I've talked to a lot of young guys that that have mental issues uh, and African-American men, you know, and, you know, a lot of these guys tell me, you know, I didn't have a father in the home. I, ha I didn't have any leadership. When I go out in public, I'm being profiled. I'm, I'm, this is going on and, and, and they're mad, you know, they're angry. And then people turn around and tell them, oh, what are you so angry for? Man up. You shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't be mad. You know, I said, no, it's okay to be mad. It's okay yeah. to be angry, you know, because yeah. you're dealing with these, it these really issues. Is. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. And that's yeah. not what, what people are, people are taught. Now, you know, with that anger, you, you, you have to be, you know, do your best to be level-headed. You can't go out in the world and, and reflect or project that anger, that negative energy back upon others. You know, you have to uh, then, you know, look for other ways to, to, to find your balance, right. And become mm -hmm. centered and grounding and, uh, you know, and, and that's what I, you know, recommend things like meditation, let, letting your mind calm and, and observing your thoughts and, you know, but it, you know, it, it just comes down to, uh, to, to being your best in a moment of, of struggle, right? Being your best in a moment of, of uncertainty. And, and that meditation is, is great for, for finding that balance. Right. Mike, um, why do you, why do men let fear rule their decision making? <laughs> um. We're taught to, huh. right? Yeah, we're taught to. Um, we, I mean, fear underlies anger, right? Anger is just an expression. Um, it's a discharging of energy. It is um, kind of the only acceptable way that we know how to communicate, right? Um, it's not just allowed, mm -hmm. it's encouraged. And mm -hmm. then we wonder why people have such a hard time with it. <clears throat> Excuse me, quite fascinating. But the fear... The fear is just a story, right? And these, wow. these stories are taught and told to us from the time we're little yeah. that do this or this, mm -hmm. do this or this, do this or this, right? And it happens in every relationship we have, every job we have, every coworker we have. We create a story around a situation. doesn't mean it's accurate whatsoever, but we create a story based in fear because we're, we're afraid that if we don't do a certain thing, we're not going to be worthy of being accepted, worthy of being loved, because we don't know how to give it to ourselves to begin with. So we have to get it from all these external sources. And we're afraid that we're not going to get it. Excellent. Kyle? Yeah, I mean, that was really powerful, Michael. I think, uh, like you said, you know, we're taught these things. And I think maybe a lot of other emotions get clumped in with fear you know i think sometimes i'll be i'll be honest maybe contradictory but i'll i'll use fear or anticipation you know sometimes oh wow look i'm kind of fearful of this or fearful of jumping on this this panel or being amongst you know these great people and like okay th this means i've got to go and do it this means i'm i'm staying true to one of my purposes to get out of my comfort zone to grow you know and so i think it's a, a big part of that is, is is changing that relationship with all right you know, this, maybe I won't call it fear, maybe call it anticipation, you know. Um, I think I think with faith uh, and spirituality, um, we realize that, like, we are the authority of our own destiny. And it's really, really integral what we do with our lives and our soul. And we're taught to be, like you were saying, we're taught to be fearful of so many authorities, other authorities, exterior authorities, uh, fathers and and for some for some you know it's 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 important to know and respect um, and obviously be a law-abiding citizen. Uh, but I think we also need to start 
realizing, hey, what's the truth? What's the right way? What's the, like, if I'm going to be authentic, then that means I'm going to do what's true, what's going to be clean for my soul, what's going to have integrity and ethics rather than what a certain authority says is the right way. And I think when you have that, you develop that relationship with your faith, with your spirituality, then you don't, you're not dictated by fear as much in your life. That's excellent. And I was going to ask you the question, what does destiny mean? Decide your destiny means. And you kind of answered it. (laughs) So you kind of answered it in that. And I really appreciate that. So I'll start with you now. How can men put their needs first without feeling guilty or shamed? Well, I think it's it's developing that developing that relationship with themselves, you know, developing that 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 new relationship with themselves. Um, and you know, I think we need a lot of we need a lot of alone time, or maybe a lot more alone time. Seemingly, you solitude. Know? I don't like alone. Solitude. Yeah, solitude. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, solitude. You know, we need that solitude, and then we need that kind of that brethren, that that group that we can kind of go to. Yes, and, and, that's and, important. Yeah. yeah, and have that kind of like, are you struggling with this? Yeah, I am. Like, oh, does, does this trigger you? Yeah, and you know, have that sort of group that you can go to. Um, I think it's really, really. Uh, can I, can I have the question again one more time? Sure. How can men put their needs first without feeling guilty or shame? Look, I think we can actually learn a lot from our counterparts from women. Uh, I really do think this is where we can actually take a lesson and 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 see that it's okay to actually put yourself first and 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 I think you know see that where it can work out. Not necessarily, oh, you know, this person mm-hmm. was selfish and then he left his family, and so that's a that's a lesson and experience and a fear of someone being selfish and putting themselves first. You know, as mm-hmm. a man, maybe we can take it from mm-hmm. a woman's perspective and say, hey, like this lady, you know, this colleague she went and had a coffee somewhere and let her mind relax and 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 then came back and she was fresh and she was so much more productive like maybe i need to start where where's my place maybe it's not a coffee maybe it's going and kicking a ball at the park but let me let me try and put in some of these principles you know um i think it's i think we can learn a lot from women i will be honest in that okay michael how can men put their needs first without feeling guilt or shame I think it's a learned skill. So um, it doesn't have to be this large thing, right? It can be a small thing. And if you're in a uh, relationship with someone, maybe you just say, hey, baby, I, I need five minutes before dinner. I just need five minutes. I need, I need to go, whatever it is, go stare at the window, count leaves. You know, that could be a meditation, right, Jess? Yeah. Um, That's great. It's, like that. it's just asking for one tiny little thing and then realizing, hey, that wasn't a big deal, mm-hmm. right? And maybe she encourages me the next time. And then, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to lunch with so-and-so. Is that cool? You know, yeah. we don't always have to ask permission for things, but we feel like we have to, right? But doing that thing, right? Asking for that time, that space for you. It's hard for us, right? A lot of guys hover, right? Because they, they, mm-hmm. they think that if they're, if they're not hovering and not there, that, that something's going to happen. Um, that's part of that fear. But it's a skill and you, it's, you're building that muscle, right? You know, nobody started up benching 250, 300 pounds. It's, it's the same thing. It is. Sorry. Jess? That, that's really great, Michael. Thank you for sharing that. And I agree with you. It's it's definitely a skill. You know, when we talk about uh, 
you know, guilt and shame and even fear, you know, that that is simply, you know, your the the inner child, a man's inner child expressing that. So I think what what a man must do to be able to deal with that, you you literally have to talk to your inner child and you you have to envision yourself as as a five year old, as a seven year old. And, you know, when you talk about trauma, you know, it, at what point did a man have trauma in his life? Was it at three, four, five, six, seven? So you have to go back and talk to that child in that moment and say, it's OK. You know, you don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be shameful. You don't have to have guilt. You know, it's OK for you to step right. forward and do what's necessary regardless. Right. And then if, if you if you have a partner, you know, you, you must have a conversation with your partner as well. You know, once you have have that awareness, you share that awareness with your significant other. And if, if you have someone that's truly in your corner, which I hope most people do, then that person, I'm very confident that person will understand and give that man that space that is necessary in order for them to have that alone time and do whatever is necessary for them to then move forward in peace. And solitude. <laughs> yeah, solitude, solitude. That's right. That's right. And, and and that that fear is something. But I, I tell you what, I tell you what, I tell you what. God places the very best things in life on the other side of fear. You know, yeah. if, you if you don't, you can't go around it. You have to go through it. It's not easy. But once you do it, there's something very, very special on the other side of that for, for, for not only men, but for, for all people. Yeah, for everyone. So can you all, um, the panel, um, give maybe one or two steps, and I'll start with you, Jess, on how to begin to start that, and even in small steps, like Michael said, even in small steps, and I'll start with you, Jess. Well, you know, um, I, I always recommend for people to to reach out, reach out to help, reach out to people that has has walked your road before, people that you believe in. You know, you have, you know, we have several, you know, a couple three of you, good people on this panel. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, meditation and as, as one starts to meditate and, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I am a spiritual person. And I do believe that we all have a higher self, you know, and, yeah. you know, you have to, you have to listen and be guided by your higher self or be guided by the spirit, be guided by the universe, the father, whatever we want to call it. Right. And I truly believe that if, once you start doing that, you're, you're on, you're, you're taking a step in the right direction. Excellent. Michael? Um, for me, it's getting out in nature, right? I've, I found my way back to spirituality through, uh, through the beautiful planet that we're all here on. So um, for, for me, my most powerful meditations are usually when I'm walking in nature. And um, that's, I can ask myself tough questions. And, you know, it's not like I'm in front of a bunch of people where they can see how I feel, or maybe I sit next to the river and cry when something comes up. It's, but that's, that's creating that space, right? So I'm, I'm creating my external space that's healing for me, but I'm creating an internal space by starting to let these things go. But, you know, small steps, guys. I mean, tiny, tiny, tiny steps. It doesn't have to be this massive thing. That's just, you know, that's too tough to do. Right. And I think you said something really important is to ask yourself the tough questions. You know, um, why am I here? You know, what's going on? You know, what's triggering me? Why is it triggering me? You know, um, and I think that's really great to, you know, to have, you know, um, and both of you said a great support system. Lean on the support system. It's not enough to have it. Use it. <laughs> right. 
use your support system. So that really matters. Thank you, Michael. Um, um, Kyle, you're next. So I'd say two things, uh, communication and then... Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, that's and, great. and what, what you need to get rid of. And first, I'd say one of the things you need to get rid of is uh, covert operators. So this is these are people around you and... You either, you know, so obviously some of them will be family members, you know, some of them will be close friends. But if you raise your awareness and mm. realize that the people that are going to make you the most down, depressed, upset, um, anxious are going to be people that are covert, which people, mm-hmm. and they're highly dangerous, which is people when you share your dreams, you share your visions, when you express something, um, they go, oh, you really think you can write that book or, you know, is that not yeah. too much? Those just subtle little hits. And because it's not a hater, you know, outside of you, um, it's someone really close to you, those subtle comments really impact you. And mm-hmm. if you can start to limit time with them, and if there's someone close to you, sometimes it might even be like a spouse, sometimes it might even be a parent, someone, someone that you want to continue to spend time with that's when you have to bring awareness to it and you have to communicate it and have that conversation. And I was talking about that this the other day saying that if you're, you know, sometimes people will find fault with the help that you're getting. If it's 12 steps, if it's religion that helps you rather than spirituality or spiritually rather than religion, or or if it's whatever, whatever area it is that helps you, or maybe it's a mentor, but someone else heard something that that mentor or that digital person said that they don't like. And so they find fault with it rather than realizing, hey, is this helping me along? Is this helping me? Mm -hmm. And people won't know. And this is where we get in our own head, our own world. And it's really important to make people aware and say, hey, listen, um, you know, I know you don't like the 12 step or this or that or whatever, but this is what I'm getting out of it. This is how it's helping me. Um, I know you think like it's crazy for me to have this big dream to write a book, but this is how it's helping me. This is how it's, it's, it's getting me to get my thoughts out of my head, get them onto paper and really examine them. And and I'd, I'd love your support along the journey. And so finding ways to have those conversations and then maybe those people that are covert operators are no longer covert and they, they, they can actually start becoming supporters, you know, so you can convert them rather than just cutting them off. Um, and I think it's really important to have those conversations. We're not used to having those conversations, but making people aware around us, then we go, oh, wait a minute, not everyone's pressuring, attacking me, um, getting in the way when I'm trying to do something better or better myself. They're actually now supporting me because I've shared Hey, I really struggle with this habit, or I really have these yeah. these these moments, yeah. and this this person really helps me. So I I, I want to keep keep going this direction, you know. Yeah. And I think that's where people can respect and get on board with you. Yeah, that's great. You all have given so much good information and um, experience, and I thank you all for that. At this part of the the, the um, panel, we're gonna leave space for questions from the audience to ask our panelists. So um, please limit it to like one minute um, and then give the panelists a chance to answer. So if anyone in the audience has a question, um, raise your hand, I can see you. Okay, I see Whitney first. (laughs) So unmute yourself, Whitney, and ask the question. First of all, good evening, everybody. Um, Good evening. You all, uh, this this Zoom, I'm glad I joined. It's very informative and um, it's it's informative and awesome. And I'm glad I joined because it's coming. I get to hear from the males, yeah. actual males. You know, that's what this was about. Um, I am a mother of a 21-year-old. Um, 
I have three children, but my main focus about this conversation and this topic is my 21 year old. He has faced a mental health um, situation. He had a psychotic break about two years ago, um, followed with psychosis. It has changed my life completely. I am a young mother. I am 37 years old. Um, Mm -hmm. Also a grandmother. He made me a grandmother. Two years (laughs) ago, he went through this whole situation. Um, I've never experienced anything like this. That was my first time. I I didn't. I'm glad I act um, properly during the situation, seek the proper help, got a hold of the right people and did what needed to be done without anybody getting hurt or him harming himself. Um, but it's been two years. I got him the right treatment. All is well now. After that, he made me a grandmother. Um, now he just gained custody of his child. She just turned one years old, um, December 19th. They are in, he has conditional custody within my home. So of course I'm helping him with that. She's a little girl. He is doing well. And I find that you were asking all the right questions and I'm getting all the right answers as to, as a grandmother and a parent as to how to deal with his whole situation and needing the alone time. I get that, but I also remind you, you are a dad. Yeah, the solitude, and I really see that it helps him. Just just yesterday, he took some solitude time away from home at a family member's house while I babysat, brought her to school this morning and things in that nature. And I find that it helps because he just needs to get refreshed. At first, it was a problem for me because I'm just like, this is your child. You created her. This is your responsibility. You have to deal with it. But at the same time, I had to remind myself he is young still. This was a whole situation that was just thrown on him out of nowhere. He did do a good job by stepping up as a young man, 21, taking full responsibility and fighting for his child, which he did. So, you know, I give him such, you know, my heart goes out. I'm so proud of him. But at the same time, I have a four-year-old as well. It does get overwhelming with juggling all of that. He's also in daycare. I do have a fiance that's very helpful. Um, But my question, all of this, he's doing very good. And I'm trying to get him to to be on his own, get ready for the real world with that when he's ready to move out because he's starting at that point. Um, But my question to the men are, what are some of the helpful, you gave me some helpful, very helpful insight and answered a lot of my questions, but how, what suggestions do you give me as a grandmother, as a mom, to kind of help him on this journey because I do see that he faces a lot of fear talking to people after that whole situation, it changed him. And I see that he's, he's fearful, nervous, talking to people, going out in the open, but this is something that he has to get ready for because now he's a parent. So there's no shying away. And I know that certain things give him anxiety. Like I have to watch how I approach him with being a dad, how he's caring for his child because I'm only speaking from experience as a mother and as a female, from a female's point of view, as a young man taking care of a daughter. You guys can kind of understand where I'm coming from, but what advice would you give me as a mom, as a grandmother, as a female, raising a young man, helping him along this journey with raising a young child, which is my granddaughter? Sorry I made it so long and I know I went over my one minute, but 
<laughs> this is very helpful. You guys don't understand this information. I'm sucking it all in, and I just find this very informative. I'm just glad that I joined this Zoom. All right. Okay, so Kyle, you want to take you want to take the the question first, and then we'll go around the go around the panel. For sure. Thank you so much, Whitney, and I'm glad you're getting lots of notes. Uh, look, you know, uh, my heart goes out to you know your boy and 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 that situation and and you know good on him for for stepping up and being strong and you being strong and the whole family being strong and sticking together um i think one thing that i've i tried i've tried to explain to people throughout my life is that people because we don't express we don't get it doesn't get realized that we're actually thinking a lot or maybe hard on ourselves so when someone else comes at us and it's harder on us it's like we've already hey i've already beaten myself up to a pulp in my own head I've already corrected myself. I've already done this. So when you come at me with that, you don't realize that I've been internalizing and, and, and going at it. So that's where it's it's a different sort of approach for, for men. And I think that's where they get overwhelmed or maybe that anger piece comes out or that kind of that 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 shock. What the hell? Where did this all come from? This this bubbling up, it just blurted out. It's because they're beating themselves up a lot inside without expressing it, without going and having a copy with the ladies and, and, and expressing it. And, and it's something that I see women do that is such a asset that I find that they're able to express. And so I'd say when, when approaching, I think it's always great to have questions and extract that. Um, another thing I'd probably say is a great thing is to change the dialogue because maybe, and what, and, 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 work out and understand what his dialogue is so really extract those questions you know like so what does he think about being a father what do what's going on in his head what who have his friends said you know what have they said what what have the circle around him been saying to him because if his dialogue is negative then it's just gonna bubble up bubble up bubble up but if you can flip it and go hey this this gives me so much more purpose in life this gives me such a bigger dr drive and dream and and now i can start thinking about my dreams and my goals in my life because you know, if I really make this something beautiful, I can help so many other younger men. I can help, I can be an asset to so many other people. I can, I can share my story. I can, you know, and I think that's where it gets really inspirational is when you change the dialogue and you take the struggle, you take the hardship and you turn it into something that's positive. Now, you know, I had a period of time when I left, left uh, school and I, and I spent two months in, um, uh, you know, I, I spent time in a hospital I was put into an induced coma and family were told that I was going to die. And I had this whole experience. And I can tell you in that experience, I wasn't thinking, I was spending a lot of time thinking about what, like, wow, what a great comeback story this can be. But I think for men, like once I started thinking that, you know, it really does inspire and change the dialogue and change, change the narrative of your story. So you, I think the real important thing is just inviting with questions. And I've got a younger brother and I know with him, he locks up, he closes up very quickly um, and so I have to be very uh, calculated or, or, or careful of how I kind of lead him out, like question by question. It's almost like when you've got like a, a little animal, you know, and you're trying to lead them somewhere, you drop a little bit of food and then you drop a little bit of food ahead and then a little bit of food, you know, and those pieces of food are questions, you know, um, and then just inviting them to share. And then once they start feeling good about sharing, they go, okay, well, maybe I should share more. You know, that kind of helped me out that that I didn't have to beat myself up for three hours before sharing, you know? So I think that would be what I would share. Okay, Michael. Awesome, thank you. And thank you, Whitney. Um, wow, 
quite a household you have there. That's, that's, that's a lot going on. So guys are not naturally nurturing. So being, being a caregiver and a caretaker in that role, especially of a little girl, I mean, that's got to scare the hell out of him, right? Um, he may not tell you that, but um, that's, that might be how he's feeling. Hearing from someone else how to do something, whether it's right or wrong, doesn't matter, right? So um, young, proud man um, might take some of that as being criticized. Not that you're directly criticizing him, but that's the story he's getting. I'm, doing, I'm not doing it right. I'm doing something wrong. So um, Kyle had a great, great point about making it a question, being curious. And you could even, if he's open to it, sit down with him and have a conversation about this very subject and say, look, I care about you. I love you. I, you know, I love your daughter. I'm glad you guys are here. But um, we need to communicate differently because you get upset when, when I try and offer assistance and tell him where you're coming from. Um, we, you know, we assume that people know what we're thinking and they just don't. So I think, um, I think that might be really beneficial for both of you. Great. That's great. Jess? Well, <clears throat> Whitney, my heart definitely goes out to you and your son and your entire family. I, I hate to hear of the issues that he's experiencing. Um, I believe what he needs to do is find his tribe, right? And what I mean by that is find experienced men that he can meet with a couple times a week, that they can exchange their phone numbers with, that he can text with just a couple people, positive people, positive influencers that can support him, right? I think that's very important. I know you mentioned your fiance, maybe that's an option, right? And um, it sounds like what he needs to do is, is build trust. You know, that's, that's gonna maybe take time to build trust with these, with these guys. That, that he, you know, meets with. And that's also going to allow him or help him, I should say, build confidence as well in, in being a father to a, to a little girl. I, I, you know, I know what that's like. I have three children. My youngest is a daughter. And I remember when I found out I was having a girl, I, I had all types of uh, emotional feelings. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, because I have my, my two oldest are, are boys, you know, and I, you know, so I, I, I get it to a certain extent what he's, what he's going through. And like him, I was a father at a young age as well. And thinking back on my experiences, you know, if I would have had that guidance at that time, right, well, if someone or a group of, of, of positive men that I could turn to and bounce ideas off or go to for advice, I'm sure things would have definitely been much, much better for me. You know, things work out well for me, but, you know, it's always nice to have that that support. Right. And and for you, I, I definitely recommend that you um, just be there to listen. You know, sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, as parents, we want to tell our children what they need to do. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. A lot of times young people, you know, they just need to be heard. You know, they just need to be heard. So I think that's that's maybe a good a good start for you, as well as providing that positive uh, reinforcement, you know, uh, to him as well. As you see him grow, you see him progress or you see him doing or having these special moments with his daughter. Say, oh, my God, you know what? So you're doing a great job with her. You know, keep it up. Keep it up. You know, you, I saw you do this. I saw you do that. I'm proud of you. You know, those positive reinforcements, I think, would really go a long way for him. Absolutely. And I was going to say just, to you, Whitney, I was going to say to you, Whitney, let me just say this, because I want to say, Whitney, take care of yourself. You can't take care of him if you cannot take care of yourself. Take care of you. I've been there where you were. And I used to say, there's not enough time in the day. If you can squeeze out five to 10 minutes, get some solitude time for yourself. Take oh, care of yourself. Oh, All I right. do. 
I got to be right. I can't be right for myself. I can't be right for them. So I I absolutely myself because it is a lot. And every all the comments and suggestions you guys gave me, um, it definitely does help. And we've been doing a lot of everything that you all suggested me for to do. Like, um, it's not what I say. It's how I say it. Um, um, the, the company he keeps, he's the first one out of all his male friends that had a baby at a young age and he's being a role model for them. He's showing them he's, he's inspiring them and they let him know all the time. Um, these are his basketball buddies, his, his high school, middle school buddies, they all been hanging out. So they watch him grow and become this different person. And they look up to that and they respect him for that because they understand it is a lot at his age being such young dad. Um, and also, yeah, finding his tribe, he's found the right tribe. And he also is belonging to a father's group, a young That's father's group. Actually, he's about to get on a Zoom meeting for the young father's program that he joined. Um, it's a bunch of fathers that are raising young children that just got custody of their children, boy or girl, um, that he can communicate with and they all can re- can relate to each other and bounce stories and ideas and situations off of each other's heads so i definitely you know support him a hundred percent and you know i'm on his back but at the same time i'm doing it gently i'm, I'm watching how i approach how i come off because i still keep in mind i understand he is young at a point in time and also i wanted to mention i did myself educated um i got myself um certified as a first aid sort um, first aider when a, you experience a, when you see a person going through a mental health crisis yeah. how to recognize those signs i just got certified after it took for my son to go through that experience mm-hmm. and for me to educate myself more because i understand that i've seen and noticed that it's on the rise it's on yes. the rise it's more on the rise with our young men mm-hmm. um and i'm just like trying to educate people as well and educate myself as well and just find out it's always i'm always on the journey to learn i'm always trying to learn and willing to learn and i appreciate you guys once again thank you very much kyle did you want to say something i just wanted to add on with what justin uh said because that was really powerful in terms of and it just made me think that uh like everything that you're doing for your son and the, the the groups that he's a part of um and also you looking after yourself is that you can take him to a certain point and then a certain mentor can take him to a certain yeah. point. So I'd say always keep yeah. your eye peeled for who's going to be, ta- you know, if there's an area that he, he wants extra help in, you know, yeah. like the, the people can take you to a certain point and that's where you'll have yeah. multiple mentors and that's the Absolutely. continual growth that you have in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much, Whitney, for that question. And thank you all. Um, I think Honey May has a question. All right, unmute yourself, please. She unmute herself. Honey, may if you could um, unmute yourself to ask the question. Oh, there, my microphone wasn't on. Hello, everyone. Sorry, I don't have my video on at 7 a.m. where I am. Um, but my, well, before my question, um, I'm not sure if you guys would agree, but I think the younger generation of males, um, are you know more evolved when it comes to handling their emotions? I mean, they're o- they're more open in a way. Um, they're let's just say softer, um, I guess. So, how do you address the generational gap? You know, between, for example, my father is sixty years old, and I have a brother who's nine years old. 
to him is kind of soft and he isn't very accepting of that. Um, it's obviously it's just the way he was raised, but um, so how do I explain to my father, for example, that, you know, this is okay, how his nine-year-old son is okay. He's just, you know, he's just not what he expected him to be. So how do we address that? Who wants to take that first? <laughs> I'm letting you choose this time. Okay, Michael, go ahead. Uh, you address it very carefully. <laughs> so if you've got someone with 60 years of, of thinking, behaving, acting, responding, reacting the way he has, um, it's going to be very difficult for him to want to change if he thinks he's right, because that's how he is. That's why everybody else should be this way. So um, similar to what we were talking about earlier is being curious, maybe asking questions. Um, you can't force someone to accept someone else, how they live, how they act, how they behave. Um, but you can get curious about it and plant a seed with them. You, you know, something you say may trigger a, a great response, and it also may trigger an angry response. Um, if you're telling someone how they need to be, that's exactly the same thing that he's doing, right? So um, I would say be gentle, be curious, um, and, and doing it in, in a loving way as possible. That's about right. I know as a sibling, um, talking to, well, I'm not a man though. <laughs> I know talking to my, you know, talking to my mother to accept something in my sister um, was, you have to be very gentle. You have to, you know, know, make sure you're saying it correctly and um, be sensitive to, like you said, to their culture as well and find something culturally to connect to bridge okay this is what i'm going to say because dad maybe is thinking about this and or this is how he's raised then you can bridge it to to actually form a question for your brother you know so he can have a little bit more sensibility that's what i've done with my siblings with something that my you know my mother of course, she's 83 and she's, you know, I'm not hearing that, you know, and I was able to connect something in her generation to, you know, what, so that my, that my sister is kind of ingratiated, you know, and it brought about, you know, a lot of um, us talking about their generation, you know, her generation and yeah, that did happen there. And then maybe I should, and then you can't unlearn something when you hear it. So whether you get mad or not, you can get mad. That means it's rubbed you the wrong way and you know it's right. <laughs> so you're going to be mad for a little while, but it's still going to sink in. Seed is a seed. The dirt makes the difference, but the seed is a seed. It's going to come, it's going to pop somewhere and maybe they'll respond correctly. But think about it, like try to bridge those two. You are the best one to bridge it. You're the best one because you know both sides. So you're the best one. You just got to figure out how to bridge it culturally and say, hey, how do I do that? Sorry about that, guys. Next one, Je Jess, you want to take it? <laughs> well, um, I, I believe what both you and Michael said are, are definitely spot on. I, I really don't have too much else to add. Um, but, <laughs> you no, know, just, you know, like you said, Bridget and, and lead with love. I mean, you can't fail there. 
you know, nope. and just having those those conversations. And, you know, um, hopefully um, your dad will will, you know, have a change of heart to it, um, you know, and, and that will be phenomenal. But then also be prepared if, if he doesn't, you know, and uh, you know, if, if he doesn't, you know, it, that's OK. You know, that's OK. As long as you you are there to support your son. And, and be there for him. That's not to my say brother. something's wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, your brother. Yeah, mm-hmm. your brother, you're, you're there to support your brother. And as long as he has uh, other people to support and love him, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Um, you know, that, that's just the sometimes the facts of life, you know, that that situations and relationships don't always go as we wish, you know, but, uh, you know, you, you and you deal with that accordingly. But um, again, Edna and, and Michael, I, I definitely believe uh, gave some very, very solid advice. Kyle, would you like to say something? Yeah, I'd say uh, the whole panel uh, gave great advice. And um, I I mean, probably just saying what's already been said, but that curiosity uh, element is really, really important. Just it really invites people in, invites the discussion. Um, You know, it's just coming from a place. And I think this is where a lot of um, organizations go really wrong is that they come from a place of accusation or attack or um, vilification and you just lose people it's like you know in terms of like marketing and social media if you want to get engagement like there's different ways that you get engagement so if you actually want to get engagement you can't vilify and attack and those sorts of things and, and make someone wrong like the first step is not to make someone wrong it's just to have to open the conversation and the dialogue and so mm. I think the, you're just being aware of like different ways you can approach it, you know, and it might and be okay. Like, okay, we what? can approach it this way. It didn't work that day. We'll try to approach it in a different way. Can you please mute yourself if you're not speaking? Yeah. So I think, I think you just got to change your, like be okay with changing your approach. And if it didn't work one, one time, just, just try a different way of approaching it, you know? Um, and, and, and I think that's what, conversations about we can try different approaches and see what's going to work but definitely attacking someone making them wrong making them you know is 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 not going to help great thank you so much i'm going to go to the chat um box because there's a few um comments and maybe um our panel can kind of like address it um edward said um that it's a very effective is to go by example. And I think he was responding to something that you all were saying. Uh, Michael says, many of my family also had abuse and mental issues, but did not deal with them all. I took care of myself since I was young. Circles of friends and those close to me are my lifelines. My brothers do not communicate at all. It is better this way. Whitney, I am glad you are here. Support comes from many places. Edward says, a safe place to express frustrations. Um, Michael says, yes, and they are not there for me. And if they did, did reach out to me, did reach out, it is not helpful. I take care of myself. Um, and last chat was um, Edward again. I did not want to have mental health issues. I didn't have a clue how to change. And that was scary. I would like you all to address the last statement because I think that's important that it's really scary. Take anyone can take a turn. <laughs> Kyle, you want to do that? Yep, yep, yep. I'm just reading it again. Um, yes, so you know, change 
change is scary and 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 I think uncertainty is is even scarier you know um I think we can talk look at last few years and see how much how scared how much we're on the edge of our seat um and how scary that can be so I think you know in terms of uncertainty I'd say the important part is making things certain in your life you know this is where we're developing your your personal routines your morning rituals those sorts of things just having some controllables in your life help for you to actually deal with it. like, you know, like probably just get up in the morning, do a meditation, you know, whatever it is, like your pe- people have their different things. But if you get up and you do that every day, you know, for me, I'll do breathing exercises and it just, and it just makes me so much more well prepared yeah. for the day, you know? And so there's, su- there's such a beautiful, um, you know, you can check out a guy on YouTube by the name of Wim Hof, you know, so many beautiful, books out there and, 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 and different philosophies and, and, you know, cold exposure and different um, theories and how you can really help yourself to adapt to change. Um, and so I'm just reading the question again. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's, it's probably Edward, it's probably hard to, to, to be on this planet and maybe not have <laughs> some mental health issues or some mental health challenges. I think, you know, the, the, the view that, you know, the, the Photoshopped view or the, the, um, the polished view of the world. I think everybody deals with challenges and we've seen that in the last mm-hmm. few years. We've seen, you know, people on TV, um, people that have committed suicide, people, lots of people that have had those challenges and, you know, being aware that it's not, it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. You know, it doesn't mean something is that, 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 that you are a wrong person or, or you, you know, there's, there's something that, you know, you should feel guilty about. It's just something that you've you're wanting to kind of work out and correct, and 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 I think that's where safe places can allow you to to, to evolve into that. Um, and knowing how to change, I think that's where you've got to become curious and go, okay, let me start asking questions. Let me start working out. Like you know, I'm having these feelings. Like, what does that mean? You know, let me start doing some research and and you know, information and learning. I think learning is something that can really, really help you at this point. Anyone else on the panel? Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Edward. um, If you were going to start surfing and you didn't know how to surf, you wouldn't just grab a board and start paddling out in these big waves and maybe sharks and and all sorts of other scary things. the best thing that you could probably do is um, find someone who is teaching other people how to surf. So in, in that we, with these, everyone's touched on this already is having the people around you. Sometimes you have to go find them. Maybe there's a, a men's group, maybe there's a meetup. Um, and there's all kinds of other places out there for you to start making connections with people who may be going through some of the same things. Um, so, Yeah. Just open up Google and see what see what's around you and get curious and it may lead you to something else. But pay attention. If it if it uh, if you feel a lot of resistance to it, maybe there's something there for you. If it sounds really good, maybe there's something there for you. But you you know, get used to feeling into it. So 
and then I'll I'll add, um, you know, pretty much what everyone has has talked about. And Edward, as you say, you know, it, it was scary. And you know, I understand that the unknown definitely can be scary. But uh, as as Kyle mentioned, the the, the breath work uh, and having some type of routine in your life every day, making sure that. And as Michael mentioned, having having a support group. Um, and as I've mentioned a few times this evening, uh, meditation. You know, those are all different things or different tools you can use to, um, you know, find that peace. Um, and also Michael mentioned getting out into nature as well, which is which is phenomenal. You know, um, finding something to ground yourself, to take away that fear, to take away that anxiety, you know, um, just be able to uh, find your balance in life. And and you, we all have so many tools at our uh, disposal. And uh, those are, are definitely things that you can do to uh, to, to work through wh whatever it is that you're you're going through. Yeah. I would say to you, Edward, it is scary um, uh, being um, my, on my own, you know, just being with myself. Um, I was going through, um, I, I want to say empty nest syndrome because my children always lived with me. So I'm, when I moved to my apartment, I was by myself and I started like, like the next, like two weeks in, I started like having palpitations. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? And I'm like crying and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Now I'm by myself. I'm going to set up a whole apartment by myself. I didn't know what to do. And I immediately just sat down and was like, what is going on? And myself said, you miss everyone. And I was like, oh my goodness. I never thought that I would ever have empty nest syndrome because I wanted everybody to get away from me. <laughs> I never thought that, but I did. And I felt it. And I, so I had to calm myself down and breathe, you know, just take deep breaths. And I said, you know, and I, you know, your mind starts talking, they're never going to come see you. No one's ever going to come see you. Now I'm on the other side of the island. Everybody's on the other side, like on the West side. So I'm like, no one's ever going to come see you. So I'm start talking this, all this junk now. And I'm like, no, that's not true. So I get up and I say, I'm really feeling like empty nest. I said, like, oh, so I'll leave the nest and go hang out with somebody else. <laughs> So it, it, you have to find, be very ingenuous and talk back to yourself, you know, because that can consume you. Like just that being an empty nest syndrome, it can consume you and really become not just a challenge, you know, it'll, it could become anxiety. Then anxiety can lead to something else. And then by, it'll pile up. So addressing it right, right away, like realizing it, and I, you know, I finished crying. I said, let me hurry up and finish crying. So I, I just started, just let it all out. And I said, now I'm done. And I always say that all of my clients, if you're going to cry, cry with a reason why. Cry that there's a solution at the end of this crying. Now, now that I finished crying, now what am I going to do? Go see my friends. Go hang out with my family, you know? So that's what I did, you know? And even if I didn't have a car, I would go downstairs and like, hang out in the park and wait for somebody to come so I could have a conversation. But I didn't, I didn't stay in that situation. So it was good that I could realize it. And that's what's important, just realizing that it's okay to feel that way and express it, but it's not okay to stay there. You have to get out of it. So we really thank everyone for being here. If there's no other questions, we can take one more, but if there's no more questions, all right. All right. I don't see any more. I want to thank everybody for coming. Thank our um, 
panelists, Michael Overly, Justin Williams, Kyle Spinnerides, for being here. You know, you guys didn't have to do it. And we're going to do it again on a different subject for men. So thank you very much. I really appreciate them. Um, I kind of fell in love with them when I first met them. So it was like a really great thing. So um, I'll have all the information um, available to you in the event. And so that you can get in touch with them because they don't mind answering questions. Let me tell you, they will answer any question from anywhere. Across internationally, they'll answer it. They're great men and they're great mentors, I'm telling you. So thank you, everyone. And this, this video will be available again for you in the um, event as well. Thank you so much and have a great night or great day. Thank you, Bye guys. Thank you, Edna. 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 Thank you, Edna.